Hey everyone, it's Evan Lewis here from Georgian Partners, bringing you the first episode in what will hopefully be a very exciting new podcast series that is all about interviewing subject matter experts and bringing you real world actionable content to help you level up your business. Today we're focused on driving strategic alignment across your organization and at the leadership level. And I'm really excited to have Leslie from Enjoy the Work here to speak about the V2 Mom framework. So I'll let Leslie introduce herself. Thanks for having me, Evan. Uh, as Evan mentioned, I'm Leslie Fine. I'm an advisor at a firm in San Francisco called Enjoy the Work. Uh, and we are a partnership that spends all of our time working with CEOs and founders of startups through uh, seed, through even as far as series C and D, teaching the craft of entrepreneurship. Before this, I spent four years as a product leader at Salesforce, built four startups, and way back in the day, have a PhD in game theory. So I've come to this world from strategy, from the scars of product leadership, and from sitting in your shoes as well. PhD in game theory. I did not even realize that. That is <laughs> so cool. And that's definitely relevant to uh, a couple of things we're going to talk about today. But again, our topic is around goal setting and accountability in your startup. So this is really targeted towards the leaders of growth stage startups. And today we're going to talk about what you can do to drive more, more strategic alignment, what Leslie has seen work in her time working with different startups that enjoy the work. And hopefully this is really great timing because as you're looking at uh, pinpointing your 2020 strategy and goals, I know I actually went through the V2 mom framework today, looking at our 2020 business development and nurture strategy for Georgian. So ideally it's great timing. So without any further ado, let's dig into it. So First of all, let's set the stage. Leslie, why does goal setting matter for a startup? And if I'm a CEO, why should I care? Sure. You know, as a founding team, and particularly the CEO, you really have three jobs. Job one is to set the priorities and the strategy for the company. Job two is to hire the right people. And job three is to give those people the resources they need to achieve those goals. So what we're going to talk about is step one here, making sure everybody is aligned around those priorities, making sure people have the autonomy and accountability to get things done. If your team isn't aligned on the destination, there's no way that they can be trusted or, or feel empowered to make mid-course corrections along the way. You know, teams win because they're focused on the right thing and they're focused on the same thing. And we want everybody to be able to do their job independently, but all marching in the same direction. So often I talk to CEOs and there's a little bit of, of a hero complex that happens. There's a sense that all the responsibility for seeing the bigger picture falls on their shoulders. And there's also a, sort of a, a desire to have a mind meld and have that, that bigger picture locked into their team's brain instantly. And, and this is really a place where if you sit down and take the time to create goals uh, across the team, not only will you get to a better outcome, but you're going to have a level of buy-in across the team that you would not have had otherwise. Love that. And, you know, there's definitely a range in terms of our listeners 
there might be a range of you know folks that feel like they have really good processes for this and others you know who might be particularly interested in leveling up so just curious what are some of the characteristics you see in companies that indicate that they need to sharpen their focus and you know this type of framework might actually be extremely impactful for them often i get the question you know we're only five people do we actually need this and, and there's a pretty simple litmus test. When I, when I start working with a company, I'll ask them, you know, what are the top three priorities you're focused on and which one's number one, which one's number two, which one's number three? Ideally, I should be able to lock every single member of that leadership team in separate rooms, like in the prisoner's dilemma, and get the exact same answers. If I can't get that from them, if there's any looks askance in the room as co-founders feel an uncomfortable disagreement, they need to build some goals together. And, and that's not only important for, for this moment, it's for what's going to happen tomorrow. So every stage of a startup, as all of your listeners know, has dragons and monsters and enemies and, and situations that you didn't predict. Uh, if you haven't aligned on that living, breathing, recorded doc of where you're going and how you think you'll get there, every single new thing that happens is going to be a panicked ad hoc decision. If you have a framework, if you have goals, if you have principles, if you have swim lanes, you can use that to make calm, methodical, dispassionate decisions. Calm and methodical. That's uh, every startup's dream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the reason this resonates so much with me is, you know, my last startup in particular, we felt that pain as we were going through growth stages of different business units being on, you know, uh, on different wavelengths. And I always, we used to talk about, you know, the four legs of a table, you've got product and engineering, you've got go to market, maybe you've got, you know, ops and finance stuff, stuff like that. Right. And, you know, if the, all those tables and the legs are at uh, different lengths, you're going to have a very wobbly foundation. So um, really excited to dig into the framework a little bit more and to talk about how you operationalize it, because it's definitely something that I think, a lot of uh, a lot of founders and CEOs can struggle with at different times. So, if we think about goal setting frameworks, does it matter which one I choose? And I'd love to get your thoughts on why V two Mom is your preferred framework. Sure. You know there are a lot of choices. There's OKRs, which become super popular. Managing by objectives, BHAGs. There's there's like a dozen different ones that are popular. At some level, I don't care. Uh, the point is that you should have one. Any of them are better than none. And, and none of them are useful on an island. These things are only useful if they become the mechanism by which you, you check in on your company and you set decisions and you hold each other accountable. So at the high level, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about one I like today and, and why, but, but you can take what I'm telling you and apply it to almost any model. Evan, you mentioned V2MOM. It is a terrible acronym, <laughs> <laughs> but it stands for, for five things. Vision and values are the V2. We'll, we'll go into each of these in a minute. And then methods, obstacles, and metrics. There's a couple of reasons I really like it. Most of the frameworks I mentioned are great for accountability, but before you hold people accountable, you should be aligned on what's important to the company as a whole, where it is we're going, our mission, and what values or principles we're going to bring to it as we make these decisions. The other reason I like it is because I've just seen it work. This is the foundational framework that, that Mark Benioff started when he started Salesforce. And I really think it is, is one of, if not the magic weapons that that company has. 
every single company, a person at the company has this model. Everyone publishes their V2 mom, outlining them what, what they want to achieve that year. Your bonus is hinged on the publication. Through the app, you can look at anybody's V2 mom and understand what's happening with them and what their priorities are at any given moment. Um, it's a level of radical transparency and accountability that I've seen work. So I, I'm not going to argue with that level of success. And I won't argue that it is a very ugly acronym, but I, <laughs> my interest is definitely peak. So let's dig into the different components and you know learn a little bit more about each one. Sure, sure. So the first one is vision. And vision can mean so many different things. In this case, we're thinking about something fairly tactical, a, a declarative present tense statement you can make about your company. I like to think of a year to 18 months from now, far enough out that you can really move some things, but close enough in that, that it's tangible. Visions are not marketing fluff. You know, if you think of some of the great companies of the world, they might have a marketing vision, but really what's happening inside should be a little more concise. What are they trying to achieve? And those details and those words matter. We'll talk a little bit later about, about how to implement that. So once you've got your vision, the, that declarative, we are the fastest growing such and such in this market, by doing this for our customers statement. The second is values. And, and here we're talking about the principles we're going to apply to our work and service that vision. From here on, and, and almost in everything I do, one rule applies. There, there are no unordered lists, Evan. Important things go at the top. Less important things go below them. If everything's a priority, nothing is. And so sometimes we're making these lists that can feel a little arbitrary and forced, but, but it's really important. And the reason is when you need to make a new decision in your company, some new opportunity, some bright, shiny object comes in, you can look at your vision and values and decide what to do. So you're no longer making those ad hoc decisions. You're now saying, is this aligned? And it, it really can help settle the debate of what's going on. If, if a new opportunity comes in, you look at it and you have two choices. If it's inconsistent with your document, you say, nope, it's not consistent with our values. It's not happening. Wherever you discuss it, you actually change your values. And so, so it creates almost like a constitution or a bill of rights for your company. Awesome. Okay. So we've got vision, which helps, you know, take a look at where you want the company to be a year from now. You've got your values, which give you, you know, some guiding lights in terms of decision-making. One thing that I'm curious about, and I think, you know, a lot of folks who would already likely have a company mission and company values assigned. I mean, in every, you know, sort of startup 101, that's something that gets talked about a lot and is stress and whether or not, you know, the company mission is actually useful to the employees is, is a difficult thing to get right. But I'm curious, how do you think about connecting the vision and values in V2 Mom to the company's overall foundational vision and values? You know, they're, they're not necessarily in conflict, but they are quite different, right? If we think about your classical vision statement, they are aspirational, long-term, and a little bit full of marketing speak. You know, just while we were talking, I quickly Googled Apple's vision statement. And it's, we believe we are on the face of the earth to make great products, and that's not changing. And that's lovely, and I believe it. And when I think about Apple's products, generally, I think they are, they are living that vision. But if I were to sit in a strategic meeting with, with that company, that would not be the goal and mission of 2020 for them. Your, your mission statement is a, a whole lot more specific than that. Similarly, values in terms of how you run your company and, and how you 
hire and how you cultivate talent might be different than the principles by which you, you make decisions. I'll give you an example. You might have a, a value for your company around diversity or being able to, to work remotely or, or something around that, how, how your employees have a great experience. Your B2 mom values may be different. You might be trading off, let's give, let's give an example, two things. Uh, is customer success more important or is growth more important? Well, if customer success is more important, I'm going to spend an extra calorie or an extra dollar on my customer success org, on promoting my net promoter score, on renewals. If growth is more important, I'm going to spend that extra calorie, that extra dollar, that extra FTE on um, hiring more of a sales team. And so these principles dictate what it is you're going to do in delivery of that vision. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. So now let's go on to methods. So I, this one for me was the easiest one, I think, to wrap my head around. You know, I sort of equate it to foundational tactics, arrows in your quiver if you're, uh, you know, going hunting. Is that how you think about it? Am I on the right track? I think you are. You know, think, think of these as, you know, ballpark four to eight things you're going to focus on at your company for the year. The, the streams of work by which you're going to deliver on that vision in a way that is consistent with those values. So hours in your quiver is awesome. Themes or epics, you should be able to count them on two hands. And if you won't get, don't have them that short, you're not going to get to all of them. I'm going to just remind you of a couple of things here. One, as I said earlier, order always matters. The thing that is first on the list is more important. And that will become relevant when we talk about headcount or attention or FT or, or where your CEO spends time or dollars allocated. It should also be an exhaustive list. If it's not on this list, it shouldn't get significant resources in the year. So don't forget to include your financial ops team, your uh, human resources. These are important parts of running the organization and recognizing the calories that that takes in your V2 mom is important. Lastly, every method should have a single owner. Now, this doesn't have to be the person delivering it all. It's the person who is in charge of understanding the health of that project, that arrow, that theme, that epic at any given time. You should be able to go find him or her in the cafeteria or, or in, by the coffee machine and say, what's happening here? And she knows the status. So we'll just round this out quickly with the O and the M. O is obstacles. And I, I think of that as naming your demons. If we had a magic wand, it could eradicate everything on this list, there'd be nothing stopping us from achieving the method. Uh, and it's just really about driving awareness. What could go wrong? Some people think of this as a pre-mortem. A lot of people like to, to categorize them, things that are outside of our control, economic instability, competition, that sort of thing. And then things that are in control, it might be hiring or office space or the right level of talent, that sort of thing. Finally, metrics. Metrics tell us whether or not we've achieved our goals. One of the ways that I like to think about this is, is the metric specific and well-defined enough that you could take a Vegas-style bet on it? These could be yes, no, you know, we, we launched this thing. It could be we launched this thing by this given date. It all could also be a percentage complete. We wanted to get to 100,000 mal and we got to 85,000 mal. So really either way, as long as it's, you know, what's classically referred to as a SMART goal. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm sort of visualizing the concept of a 
you know, a ladder or a family tree here where you've got, you know, vision at the top, <clears throat> values, methods, then obstacles and metrics. One of the things that I'm most curious about, if we say we're starting at the CEO and the executive level and you're, you know, creating these V2 moms to drive alignment, how do those V2 moms trickle down to the business unit level and then to the individual level? And it's a great question. And I think here really to some extent is a function of the size of your team. But once you have any level of layering, what I'm about to say makes some sense. You know, the, the very first place this starts is at the corporate level. So that, you know, in every company, there's a room with five or six or seven people in it. And they're the folks that make the decisions. And they're the folks who should sit down and, and draft. And I use the word draft specifically the, this first draft of the V2 mom. Now, probably most of the people in that room will have their name next to one of those metrics I talked about. Each one of those people should go back to their team and say like, hey guys, this is what we're thinking is gonna happen in the company this year. This is the chunk of work that we are responsible for in making sure that our company hits its goals. Let's talk about how we do that. And functionally that me method from the, the upper leadership becomes the vision for that group. And they'll go ahead and say, okay, well, to deliver on that, this is what we believe in. And this is how the work breaks down into methods. And in that one, each method will have somebody's name on it. Now, if the org's big enough, you might go another layer down. The point is there, there's a fractality or, as you said, sort of a family tree vision here. What you also might have happen is when those leaders were sitting in a room painting a picture of the future, they painted a picture that's not achievable with the given resources. So, you know, when, when you take your method and you go have your meeting, your team's going to say, ain't no way, not without either these resources or breaking physics. And your job is to then go back up and have a dialogue and say, okay, in order to do this, we need X and we have Y, <coughs> excuse me, or I can't do this. We're going to need to change the goal. Hmm. I love that the sort of laddering up and down, because that's definitely something I've felt in the past where, you know, there were goals that were set at the leadership level. And then it was just sort of assumed that everyone would, you know, everyone had to figure out how to hit those goals. But, you know, this sort of leaves some flexibility for the team at the lower levels to potentially push back as long as that's sort of accepted in the culture. So that's really cool. Okay. So let's say I'm sold. I think, you know, this is a great framework that I want to try putting into use at my company. I've got an offsite tomorrow, which we legitimately do, where we've got our entire team in a room. How should we go about getting started and what sort of you know, practical tips would you have for the listeners? So I mentioned at the top that building these together is such a huge part of the process. So this becomes a great topic for an offsite with some pre-work. It's usually how we implement them. I like to ask a few thought-provoking questions and collect the answers beforehand. I use a Google form. You can do whatever works for you. And the two things I like to assign before that meeting are about the vision and the values. So we'd ask the team to write a declarative present tense statement about what you do, how you do it better than anybody else, and what impact that will have. So a good vision statement is short, two sentences or so, specific. It's an outcome only you can provide, simple and jargon-free, and ambitious but achievable. So I'll just give you a bad one and a good one real quickly. A bad vision would be, we are the best bakery in town. It doesn't really mean anything. 
A little better vision would be something like, we produce and sell locally sourced cakes and pies that are so delicious and satisfying that every customer who leaves our store does so with a smile. Now, while that is still a little bit inspirational, we've said a lot there about what differentiates us, what our goals are, you know, what we're thinking about in terms of making customers happy. I would also have people give you an ordered list of three to five values or principles. It's going to save a lot of time to do this beforehand and have people in the right headspace. And then, you know, just quickly, I would suggest that you read these aloud and be pedantic about the words. Fastest growing is not the same thing as best loved. Most secure may be at odds with easiest to use. So, so push each other in the room about what do you mean? It may feel really pedantic, but getting very crisp will uncover disconnects that you may not have known were there. The other suggestion I make is as the CEO or leader, go last. Everyone's going to be looking to you and want a pattern match. And so it's really important to hear that room first. In terms of the, the ordering, one practical way to do this is, is like they do in the optometrist's office. Which one do you like better, one or two? Put all of your values, eventually all your methods and obstacles as you build those things out on the board and have people vote which one is higher, one or two. And you'll do this until you have an exhausted ordered list. It takes a long time, but it's really worth it. Love it. All right. So one last component that everyone's always interested in, war stories. So <laughs> you've obviously uh, you know, worked with lots of different startups across you know, a number of growth stages. So what's the feedback been like in terms of companies that have implemented it? And, you know, are there any particular struggles or just curious what some of the best ones do well? It's a great question, particularly because everything we've talked about up till now has been about the swing. What really matters, though, is the follow through. If this is a document that you write and agree on and high five and go out for a drink and then throw in a drawer and never touch again, it was a waste of time. If you take this and run your business by it, it will become a cockpit that you've never had before. So imagine if you're running your staff meeting and the very first thing you see up is a slide or whatever it is you use with the dashboard. Each of the methods is a row. Next to that row uh, is the owner and a red, yellow, green traffic light. Green means all good. We don't have to discuss this. We're all set. Yellow is, hey, like some stuff's going on. I, I've got it for now, but be aware that not everything's great. Red is capital blinking lights, danger, danger, danger. I need this room's help. I need this resource. I need something to happen or we are not in a good place. If you start running your leadership meetings like that, it is a game changer. Um, you'll keep yourself honest. Method owners will feel autonomy. Everyone will see how their work fits into the big picture. And you'll know where you're in trouble as, as soon as it's available. You mentioned war stories, so I'll tell you two times in just the last month that I've gotten phone calls about this process. Um, happy to say both of them were great calls. <laughs> One referred to what had just happened in his staff meeting as the perfect red. It was a culture where people really, really loved each other on a personal level, but they had a lot of trouble with follow-through and accountability. We worked really hard to put this kind of dashboard into place. In their biweekly meeting about halfway down the list, there was a red light. It was really the first red they'd ever had. And this really means, you know, Shit's going off the rails and I need attention. The rest of the agenda was scrapped and they spent the rest of the hour getting that red on a path to green. And, you know, it was a total hero moment and 
that exec felt really supported in, in being able to say, I've got a problem and not being sort of roasted for it, but instead being supported for it. The other was, was another company that just last week got a classic bright, shiny object. They got a phone call from a potential partner that, that's very well known, and they wanted to do this strategic partnership, an opportunity they would have jumped at uh, a year ago. CEO called me and asked me if she should do it. And rather than having a debate in a vacuum about that thing, I asked her to open her v 2 and read out her vision. And we agreed that while the opportunity was in line with the vision, when we went down and looked at her methods, it wasn't more important to achieving that vision than what she'd already prioritized. Given that she doesn't have more hours in a day or more resources than she has, she turned it down. And the beautiful thing was that having that V2 mom sort of removed all the passion from the conversation and turned it into a quantitative conversation that reminded her where she was going and what the best ways were to get there. Power of saying no. I think that's such an amazing place to end. It's something that's, that's so, so important. I mean, I felt that firsthand. That was one of the main downfalls of my last company is we, we didn't see the signal from the noise. We, you know, we didn't know when to say no, and we chased a lot of shiny objects. So that's really, <laughs> uh, really great advice. And you know, I love just taking the emotion out of it and using this framework. So I know I'm excited to implement this starting tomorrow with my team. So Leslie, this has been a lot of fun. Just want to say, you know, we've got uh, hopefully a couple, the first of, this is the first of a few collaborations. We've got uh, an event coming up in March in San Francisco, which hopefully we'll see some of the listeners at. But before we wrap, just wanted to give you a chance to let the listeners know where they can find you and where they can learn a little bit more about your work. Sure. Thanks. So you can find us at enjoythework.com. I am Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E. Uh, and enjoy the work. And if you head over there, you can also subscribe to our Medium blog, which has about every other week an article on on topics like goal setting, hiring, how to manage exhaustion, all kinds of stuff that might be interested to your listeners. Wonderful. All right. Well, until next time, thanks so much for, for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. Take care.